There are a lot of plans that are laid down in Scripture that are clear for us when we read the Bible. I'm talking about the day-to-day operations that we wrestle and struggle to figure out what God's will is for us, what God's plans are for us. And those things give us heartache and they give us sleepless nights because only if God would reveal what he wants for our lives, only if God would reveal those things. And herein lies the difficulty. Everything else you can plan for, and we do and we should. You can plan for retirement. You can plan a career, a vacation. You can plan a budget. People who plan their budget have a a better time with their monthly spending. I mean, plans and making plans is a very good thing. And uh, like uh, Hannibal in the A-Team said, you know, I love it when a plan comes together. When you make plans, things usually go much better. But it's the things that you can't plan for that are hard for us. The unforeseen plans of God throw our lives into chaos. I'm talking about when God interrupts us, interrupts the course of life that we've kind of mapped out for ourselves. And God does that a lot. Maybe we should say God loves you and has a difficult plan for your life because he often interrupts the plans we have and imposes his plans on us. And we realize often that God conceals his plans until the time is right. It's like only if we knew, you know, what God was going to do, we could have made adjustments. But God is pleased often to let us just go about our lives doing our thing. And then at the time he chooses, he intervenes and reveals certain things. So the first thing I want us to see is that God lets us struggle before revealing a better plan. God often lets us struggle through the difficulties and hardships of our life, trying to figure out what the best course is before revealing a better way. He certainly did that with Joseph. Now, we don't know much about Joseph, but we do know that it fell on him to make sense of God's plans, this situation that he found himself in with Mary, without much explanation. We assume that Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and that every night, uh, that very night, excuse me, that very night that he found out that Mary was pregnant, he didn't have to suffer too long because he received an angel, uh, a visit by an angel who made his emotional grief brief. But that's unlikely because it says that Mary was discovered to be with child. And what it implies is that Joseph likely saw Mary's stomach growing over time and got suspicious, went around in the village asking questions from maybe her friends and her family members about maybe her menstruation cycle. Until one day, maybe days or weeks or months into the whole process, the crushing blow hit him like a ton of bricks that his wife was pregnant ostensibly with the child from someone else didn't happen overnight. He didn't wake up one morning and say, my wife's pregnant, what do I do? And two seconds later, the angel pops up and says, don't sweat it. That likely did not happen. God let him linger for a season as he wrestled through a heartbreaking reality. Now, in those days, adultery had severe consequences, and the Bible says that Joseph was 
a just man, which means he was a righteous man. Adultery had severe consequences, and in fact, in many places in the Middle East to this day, in some cultures, it still has deadly consequences. But he was a just man, a righteous man, and he decided to divorce Mary quietly. Now, you might think, well, wait a minute. What, why didn't he think it was his kid? Well, because in those days, engagement was much more formal than it is now. There was a formal and official engagement which was legally binding before the official wedding ceremony. So they were legally bound together, so even an engaged couple had to file papers for divorce. It was, they couldn't just break off the engagement and she give them back the ring and say, that's it, it's over. And so he decided he was going to divorce her quietly, and it's only then that God intervenes. Only after the emotional agony and the crushing blow of realization that his fiance, to be soon to be wife, is pregnant and mulling over all the possibilities in his head, I can imagine there were more than a few sleepless nights, more than a few mo- mornings woke up with you know, a sour stomach. You know those moments in your life where things are just horrible and you wake up and are reminded that this is your reality. And Joseph woke up to that reality and decides he's going to divorce her, seemingly about to derail God's plans, and it's only then that God intervenes. And what's instructive for us is that the Lord let Joseph struggle to solve his problem for a season before he revealed a better plan. And God often works this way. He lets us make plans. He then reveals a better way, but often not until the last minute. Why does God do this? The answer is not in my notes. I I, I don't really know why God does that. But when it happens, we have to change our plans, like Joseph did. All of the thoughtfulness and planning and praying and organization and all the skills in the world cannot avoid this painful reality of serving an unfathomable being like God who is impossible to figure out. So if you're thinking, well, at this stage in the game, I still can't figure God out, hey, uh, you're in good company because we're all there. It doesn't matter how long you pray, how hard you pray, how long you've been serving the Lord. If there's one thing you figure out, it's that you can't figure out the way God works. It is also a cliche, right? God works in mysterious ways. That is true. And God is hard to find out. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, of the wisdom, of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond finding out. And we can test our plans against what's revealed in Scripture. We can pray, we can seek wise counsel, but sometimes circumstances unfold that suggest what God's will is, but it's hard to know. And even plans that look sound must be open to revision. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, don't they? Even the best plans have to be open to revision because God is pleased often to switch the tracks on us. And so if there's one thing you learn over time, 
it's to recognize that at any moment things could change. And it doesn't mean I did something wrong. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean God is displeased with me. It just means that God wants us to trust in him. Especially when things don't go right. In fact, in the mind of God, possibly in eternity past, there are like these little way stations in our life where it says change of plans here, change of plans there, try their faith here, test their faith there. Right? But it doesn't feel like that when it happens. The Lord lets us struggle for a season, often to solve our problems and figure out our problems before he reveals a better plan for us too. Are you struggling with a problem right now? Uncertain of which way to go? The Lord sees you and the Lord will reveal to you his plan at the right time. His plans aren't always clear to us until they need to be. In the mind of God, he knew exactly what he was going to do with bringing about this child to this virgin with this husband named Joseph, but it wasn't until the very last moment that he reveals it in detail, right? And this brings us to our second point. Sometimes scripture itself isn't always clear until it needs to be. Joseph heard from an angel that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And we assume that once he received that message from the angel, he went, oh, well, that makes sense, right? Everything's going to be okay now, right? Like, he, re- he got that message from the angel, and everything, everything just cleared up. But it is not at all certain that Joseph made any connection whatsoever with the prophecy that we read in Isaiah 7. And I would, in fact, I would say it's unlikely. Nor is it certain that Joseph had ever read that verse. One of the reasons why is it is one of the most obscure prophecies in the entire Old Testament because it is embedded in something completely unrelated. God is talking to King Ahaz because King Ahaz is surrounded by enemies who are threatening Israel, the Assyrians, and he wants to assure him that his promise to the Davidic line is not going to be thwarted and interrupted. And so he makes this statement, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. They will call his name Emmanuel. And it's this obscure prophecy that Joseph had likely never read. Most Jews before Christ probably didn't know. And one of the reasons we know that is because most of the pre-Christian writings of Jewish rabbis and scholars before Jesus made no comment on this passage. In other words, it was not in the popular imagination of most Jews that a virgin is going to give birth to a Messiah. No, 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 no. We now, these years later, looking back and reading back in the Old Testament, just assume, well, of course, they... Joseph hears that his wife, who's a virgin, is going to, oh, and he goes, oh, it makes, all makes sense now. And that is not what was going on. Which means there was no expectation of this to happen. In fact, the only one, the first person to make the connection between what happens with Joseph and Mary and Isaiah's prophecy is Matthew, which is the other passage we read. It wasn't like Joseph could Google virgin birth. Isaiah 7, 14, let me, right? All right, you get the point. It is hard 
when communication from God is not clear. So it's one thing for God's plans not to be clear to us until they need to be. It is another thing for God's voice not to be clear to us or scripture until it needs to be. There's this prank on the internet and there's a man sitting in a park. You know those video pranks? And he's sitting in a park and he strikes up conversations with passers-by and his, his words are just subtly mumbled enough to where it sounds like he's saying something intelligible, but he's really not. And so the person who's standing there, you can see them struggling, and they're the mark, right? Well, there's someone else in the park, other people who are in on the joke, and as they walk by, he strikes up a conversation with them in the mumble-jumble language, and they completely act like they know exactly what he's talking about and respond. And they walk off, and the first person's going, what? They're just, they're frustrated that they don't get it, right? Because everyone else is in on the prank except them. They don't get the joke. They don't, they don't know what's going on because they can't, right, figure out what he's saying. And the look, on, of the look of confusion on the Mark's face is priceless. It's hilarious. And it highlights just how frustrating the lack of clear communication can be. See, sometimes God doesn't make himself clear until he needs to. Sometimes there are whole passages of Scripture, for those of us that read the Bible, that we have no clue what it's talking about, like Joseph, until it smacks us square in the face. Or we need to figure out what's going on in our lives, and we flip through Scripture and find this passage of Scripture that speaks deeply to us. And that is the kind of relationship God wants us to have with himself speaking through Scripture, is he wants us to search the Scriptures, right? Because in them we think we have eternal life. But God's voice is not always clear until it needs to be. Some parts of Scripture are clearer than others. And that is often the case for us. It was the case for Joseph. He didn't know this, likely didn't know this first. And even when he heard the angel's words, he likely didn't make the connections. Maybe it wasn't until the end of his life. Maybe he died never knowing that there was a connection to this passage in Isaiah. And this brings us to our final point that we have a role to play in God's plans, but that interrupts us from time to time. It interrupts our plans. It interrupts our lives from time to time. It tries our faith, and it can be frustrating. I don't know if Joseph, for a very long time, was able to sleep well. There is the movie The Nativity that came out I don't know, five or ten years ago, you remember that movie? And it's about Mary and Joseph. And as Joseph is leading Mary out of Nazareth to go down to Bethlehem for the census, there's all of the snares from everybody, all the sneers and the looks. And he jokingly says to Mary, who's on the donkey, boy, they're really going to miss us. Because the reputation that they both had was, you know, Affected, radically affected, right? They were probably slandered. But when God changes our plans, it tries our faith, and we wrestle through it to kind of adjust and revise our plans to account for the new developments that God allows in our lives. But it's somewhere in that wrestling that we encounter God the deepest. It is in the frustration 
and the wrestling and the questioning and the self-reflection and the disappointment that we encounter God most profoundly. It is not when things go according to plan. It is not as things go exactly like they wanted them to go. It is when things are derailed and when things get messy, that is where we encounter God acutely, powerfully, where our faith is challenged and we grow in ways we otherwise would not have. Because when we do what we're supposed to do, when those things happen, we yield to God's initiative for us as we surrender to his plans. I don't know about you, maybe you haven't had those experiences and everything is just going peachy. But I've had my life derailed so many times, my plans interrupted so many times that every, every I feel like every day or every month, it's like, this is a good plan, let's just hold it loosely. You know, let's just, let's expect, you know, things to go good, but let's just be ready in our heart and in our faith and in prayer just in case God changes things because he does that from time to time. Now, maybe you're wrestling right now through a diversion, some type of interruption. Maybe right now at this moment, you're struggling to make sense of the fact that your life has not turned out at all the way it was supposed to. And you're struggling to keep your joy and hope against that reality. Well, I want to say you're not alone. And I want to say that God hasn't left you. The good news for Joseph was that this child, he was told, was, will save his people from their sins. This child will be Emmanuel, God with us. And that news was good enough to compensate for the heartache of a pregnant fiancé who everyone apparently thought was an adulterer. That news was good enough to compensate for that reality. The certain knowledge that this child who was to be born will save his people from their sins and will be the incarnation and manifestation of God Almighty. And the good news for us, if your plans have been derailed, is that Jesus is still saving his people from their sins. The good news is that God is still with us and he hasn't left or forsaken us. In every broken plan, in every diversion, when things get messy and when things seem to make no sense, because even though it doesn't all make sense now, the good news is one day it all will. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for the faithfulness of Joseph and Mary who, in our familiarity with the story, have almost become a cliche in themselves. But we know, O oh God, and are assured that these were real people with real experiences, with real frustrations, who maybe did not process the words of Scripture and prophecy and of the angel in the ways that we idealize them to have processed them. Father, help us also as we wrestle through a diversion of plans, an interrupted life, a present reality that doesn't look like anything we would have planned for ourselves or hoped or expected. Help us to know, O oh God, that you are still saving sinners and you save us and you're with us 
that the reality and the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, is the hope that we cling to this Christmas. And we thank you and praise you in the name of your Son, whose birth we celebrate. Amen.